Hi friends, really glad that you are a part of this conversation. My name is Jason Brown here with two of the finest gentlemen that I know, Mr. Wendell Van Valen and Mr. Wayne Hunter. Yeah, this is Wendell. I really fudge on the fine part. But anyway, and this is our friend Wayne. And you should know, if that is true, Jason doesn't get around much. So. <laughs> but he is a fine fellow. Yes, he is. I'm just trying to be like y'all, honestly. Oh, well. Uh, well, we've been talking about grace, and we, we are going to talk today a little bit about the idea of uh, God's grace in the Old Testament. And uh, I'll confess that my attempt will probably be to make him look good because that's kind of what I feel like I have to do. Uh, but we'd like to do it kind of as honestly as we can and not uh, make cheap excuses or try to explain away the reality that there's some violence and uh, judgment and a little bit of wrath in there too and, and explore how all that fits in with this idea of grace and I think, I think part of it is that we th- when we think of grace, we think of nice when God's not always nice. He's, he's good and he's powerful and he's wise and he's all invested in us, but that doesn't mean he's always nice, that he has this, this bigger story involved. And so grace doesn't always look like comfort or security or uh, friendliness. The... Um Kind of what prompted the discussion is uh, there are a lot of Old Testament places where you really wonder about it. When they say go in and cleanse that village, kill all the men and women and children and people, oh, how could God say that? And um, there are other cases where, and, that, and all that's bad enough. Some of the some of the Mosaic laws were if somebody's caught doing such, such and such or so and so, stone them. Right. You know, that gives yeah. you pause. But the big ones are to me anyway, are found at the very beginning of the story. Would you say eight chapters in, ten chapters into Genesis? Yeah, verse 11, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just right off the bat, you see all these, and, and the first one, of course, is a good one, but you see all these colossal moves that God makes that are unprecedented for the rest of Scripture. He creates, and then he there's there's the curse and the kicking out, which is a... It, I mean, there's not much of mankind at that point in the story, but still it affects all of mankind. And then there's the flood that affects, according to the story, all of mankind. And then there's the Tower of Babel where the language was all confused, which affects all mankind. Right. So it, in it, the cleansing of a village is rough. Sure, that's rough. The stoning of somebody because of a crime is rough. But this idea... In the first few chapters of the Bible, literally of the story, God doing this sweeping move, the first one being positive, we take it as positive, and the next three being as, whoa, that's brutal. Yeah. You know, this sweeping right. move. And and it's not you can't you can't just say that's not part of the story. Right. So we've First we framed the matter. problem you and I have, and, Jason and Jason is going to answer it. <laughs> yes, this is a sucker's game. I have discovered all of a sudden this is like hot potato, and I just got caught holding it. I I think that as we encounter Genesis, the the first two chapters reveal this incredible God and this incredible act of creation. It's incredible beauty and things as they should be. 
And in the third chapter, um, it all goes down. And so for me, those those ensuing chapters, those ensuing eight chapters or whatever, the eight chapters, nine chapters of chaos before we meet Abraham, Abraham. Yeah. are is, is the world essentially circling the drain. And and so it it's a it's a setup. In, in a lot of ways, for me, it's a setup for what's to come. It's a setup for the redemption to come. But in these eight chapters, it's this 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 overwhelming brokenness, this overwhelming, uh, I mean, like they talk about with the uh, flood narrative, wickedness, this overwhelming chaos. And, you know, maybe I'm going too far out on a limb here. We'll hand you a saw if you do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I think even in those stories, God is still present. Right. Yes. However yes, yes. tiny, however tiny a glimmer of hope. Yeah. Yeah. God God is still present and yet in in these eight chapters chaos reigns. Right. Yeah. There the I mean you say a little evidence. They kicked him out of the garden. He says the fig leaves aren't good. Let me make you better clothes. And then you were saying something about the flood mm-hmm. that after the flood was over to unpack that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh it goes along really well with what Jason has said. I think that kind of captures the idea that after the flood um God reaffirms that he is all in on this story, this dream that he has of having a people who love him and love each other, who have this experience of shalom that he intends for them to have, of peace and justice and harmony and equality, that kind of thing. And so um, God knows at this point how badly the story can go uh, so that every thought of their mind was evil always. And so he knows that they are circling the drain, that they have that, that this story can go off the rails uh, far w- worse than maybe he even imagined. But at the end of the story, he affirms again to Noah that I still want you to be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. I still uh, recognize my image in you, he says. And he says, even if every inclination of your heart from childhood on is evil, I'm in this. I still choose to I do still, this. Right. And, and when we talk about grace being investment in someone and being vulnerable to them, that's the epitome of it. Yeah. He knows what it's going to cost him at this point. He knows because, you know, he hurt for them when they hurt each other. Uh, every evil of the heart hurt him more than it hurt their neighbor. Uh, and so he knows what it's going to cost. Uh, and he says, I'm in. Yeah, I, I, setting aside the, you know, raiding the villages and, you know, cleansing the population for a minute, I think understanding grace as, as you said so well there, Wayne, more than being uh, good. Right. Or nice. Or, or nice. Yeah, yeah, thank you, yeah, nice. Yeah. Not yeah. good, but nice. Nice, yeah. Um, grace as presence. Grace as even in the midst of the poop hitting the fan, I'm yeah. still here. Yeah. I'm still exactly. with you. I'm, I still choose this relationship. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, is 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 significant. Well, and, and boy, you you climbed out on a limb. Now I'm climbing even further out on the on the limb. But it, you know, it, God really shows a side of Himself that that we don't like to see when He says, you know, that He repented, that He made man, that He's just yeah. like, man, I'm having second thoughts. Yeah. Ultimately, after the flood, He makes a statement. Right. Okay, I've made my decision or right. whatever. But it, I think it's 
we can we can either interpret that as a fickle God. Ah, this creation thing didn't work out like I wanted it to. Man, we blundered on that one. Let's just go on and, you know, get right. rid of it. Or that he cared so much right. that he that it grieved him so deeply that yeah. he's he's like, I can barely stand this pain. Right. He never intended for us to hurt each other the way they were hurting each other. He ne- I don't think he even... I, I'm, you know, here. I'm, we're all out on a limb today. Hey, uh, disclaimer: think, we're all on a limb today. I think he came to the realization that this can go terribly, terribly bad, and and yet he stayed in it. He chose to be vulnerable, to hurt with us, and to invest himself, whatever it takes, for my people to come home. I'm in mm-hmm. for that. Well, to to think that. That we have Adam and Eve in the story, you know, we have Adam and Eve, mom and dad, and they have two boys, and one boy kills the other. Yeah. You have a population of four, yeah. and now you're down to three. I mean, I know the story's probably not literal. Right. right. Further out on the limb. <laughs> it's figurative. That was Wendell. He's just, just dancing on that <laughs> It's bouncing up and down. <laughs> I'm also juggling balls, Nina. <laughs> uh, um, no, chainsaws, not balls. Um but but the idea that I mean this is how desperately wicked we are. Mm-hmm. I mean, as soon as we get caught, the woman you gave me, right? Instantly go to deception and right. go to and and uh, so the idea that he had second thoughts doesn't mean so much he's fickle. I, I think it means he's like I didn't anticipate this kind of pain, right? And I, and I I think he didn't anticipate. That we would hurt each other so badly. Right. I don't think he anticipated we'd hurt him so badly. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you know his experience was in the Trinity, where they loved each other and love responded with with love. So I don't know uh, if you can surprise God or not, but I think that that perhaps the foundation. You know, if this is our first impression of God, our impression is either that he's really mad and mean or that he will do whatever it takes no matter what to save his people yeah and i think that's where we end up and that's when he comes to abraham and he's looking for a man a person who will be all in this story with him yeah and that probably it'd be good to take one session sometime and just unpack that whole story yeah of of him picking him and yeah, and and how Abraham had to come to the place where he decided he was all in. Yeah, but and that story and and God is in first. You know, grace is that vulnerability. He says, "I'm in no matter what," and He offers that to us. Yeah, I think if there's a, I mean, people always want to take away. You know, from okay, so y'all are talking about this. You're. You're juggling chainsaws, literally, out on the bouncy limb. You're so kudos for y'all. Three of y'all, way to go. <laughs> I don't know if kudos is the word. Well, but it, you know, how brave of you to do that, or how stupid one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but we haven't come up with a lot of answers. But but I th- I think what what's crucial is is that we're we're going to also be faced with these same kind of crises in life. And, and, you know, the old saying goes, you're only as good as your God is. And we're going to be faced with these same kind of crises where you're like, 
not only did this go off the rails, this grievous, I never dawned on me that this would go get this bad. Mm-hmm. A family situation, a, a, right. a work sit, whatever. And we're not talking about an inconvenience. We're not about talking about a pebble in your shoe that's chafing your foot. Yeah. We're talking about major, right? like, whoa. It could be, a, you know, a cosmic, well, not cosmic, but a, a, a huge weather disaster. It could be a national disaster. It could be a war. It could be whatever. Mm-hmm. And you look and you think, this is completely and absolutely out of hand. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, and you have to come to the place where you say, but God has dealt with this kind of thing before. Yeah. God has had this crisis of heart. Yeah, and, and I think that's exactly where Abraham ends up with Isaac when God sends him to yes. kill his son. Yeah. It's like, I never imagined that this is where I would be. And, and for those three days that it takes him to go to the mountain to offer Isaac as a sacrifice, you know, he had questions. He said, you know, why, how, I don't, you know, I cannot understand how this is part of the, of the story. But in the end, he says, this is us, me and God. I, I trust him. I yeah. extend grace to God is kind of what he did. Yeah. I become vulnerable to him. I invest in this relationship. And that's how it works. Uh, and, that, and out of that comes this whole big story that we are part of where God extends grace to us. Sometimes I think we have to extend grace to God and yeah. trust Trust him to be who he says he is. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't want to reframe the question necessarily, but I'm. I'm wondering how much of these chapters in Genesis reveal uh, about God as much as they do about us mm-hmm. as as human beings. That's a good point. Yes. I, yes. I think the story of Cain and Abel. To your to your to your question to your point about Abraham, Cain and Abel. There's a there's a pride issue. Uh, Tower of Babel. There's a pride issue. Even with the story of Noah. Yeah. There's a pride issue, um, and, it, and and of course Adam and Eve. There's 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 a pride issue. So how much does the story of Abraham, and Abraham, setting aside his his pride or whatever, in order to trust God, in order to extend grace to God, yeah, redeems those stories, and in the process begins the bigger story of redemption. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. That's a good. That's real good. But it, it's. I. Th- I think that the, the beginning of the story. Of any story, always set kind of sets, especially this story, the beginning sets the precedent. Right. For the rest, and yeah. and so, it seems like, there's, always a, a colossal crisis, that brings about the change. You know the cross the tomb, Pentecost, all that in the new, it's the same thing as the old. It mm-hmm. starts with this huge crisis where God, when all the dust settles, you you look around and there stands God. Right. He hasn't moved. Right. You know, yeah. which that's, that's all I need. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Thanks, friends, for listening to another conversation on grace. My name is Jason Brown, and I've been with Wendell Van Valen and Wayne Hunter. The three of us serve together at Broadway United Methodist Church in Bowling Green, Kentucky.